You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into another edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is the Friday fun show. And a lot of fun will be had on this Friday. Matt Miguez, producer extraordinaire, slash the co-host with the most, slash Zion Iggy Williamson Jr. Iggy. (laughs) Mr. James Mesh. What's up, bud? What's up? Happy Friday, Matt. Oh, man. Dude, I'm so excited. I I bet you are. I get to go to the Pelicans game tonight. I haven't been to a Pelicans game in like five years. I think it's been over. Well, you said it was 2017. Yeah. So four, four and a half or so. Yeah. So it's it's been a long time since I have been to a Pels game. Uh, so I'm super excited. I, I don't know if I'm going to make it there in time, but your boy's going to try. Show ends at six. Game starts at eight thirty. If a cop pulls you over, just be like, "It's okay." Can I'm Matt Miguez? Can you just escort me? Can we just keep going? Yeah. Give me my ticket in New Orleans. Just put it on. Just put it on the windshield. I'll I'll buy a hot dog if you... Right. Just just leave it on the windshield. I'll deal with it later. We have an awesome show lined up for you today. LSU baseball getting a win last night at home. John J. Hendricks from Sports Illustrated and most recently of Boot Crew Media will join us to talk some Saints. Will Jarvis Landry sign with the Saints before the draft? Will the Saints make any kind of moves before the draft? What... What does he think the game plan is for the Saints going into the draft? We got some Cajuns to talk about. They start a three-game set with Georgia State this weekend. We're going to talk about LSU football with their spring game being tomorrow. What's Brian Kelly going to do at quarterback? Is he going to implement a two-quarterback system? Probably so. We'll talk about that. Uh, But your poll question of the day on the Twitterverse is how many games or what games will the Pelicans win? Which games will the Pelicans win this weekend? Is it game three? Is it game four? Is it both? Is it neither? So far, 20% say game three. 60% say both. That's more where I'm leaning. And 20% say neither. Whoa, Pelicans, hey, whoa. On this station? No. It's not, and it's not from us. Oh, my goodness. We hate the Pelicans. This guy hates the Pelicans. This guy, I can tell. Full, I, full-fledged Pelicans hater. I, I know you hate the Pelicans. I don't hate the Pelicans. I, you do. Why? You are a Pelicans hater. You're right, and so are you. Right. You're right. I'm, I'm just going to the game. I'm not excited about it. No. That's work. Darn. I get to write a recap <laughs> about a team that I like. Darn me. Um, Well, that is going to be a fun game. I thought it would have been at 9, but I, I didn't realize it was actually at 8.30. Yeah, 8.30. 8.30 first tip on ESPN. You know you're going to have... <laughs> 
because of ESPN, they got those long commercial breaks. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna, gonna be, be there for a while. It's but. gonna be a late night for Matt. Uh-oh. But that's oh, you okay. Get, that's okay. Welcome to my life. Um, I did it for the New Orleans Bowl. It's good because the New Orleans Bowl didn't start till eight. Nice. And that was ESPN. But college football games last three and a half hours, right. almost four. Right. Um, <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get out of the press conference till one. Nice. And then the 35-minute drive back to my in-laws, I got home about 2 a.m. Ooh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, so it, it, I'm sure it'll be something similar. Sounds, a, sounds, about, my, sounds about my usual bedtime. Because uh, I'm, staying, I'm staying at the in-laws again, so probably probably 1.30, 2 o'clock. And then I get to get up in the morning and go to the spring game for LSU. Yeah. So Good little, good busy, little hour-long drive. Bu- busy, busy weekend for your man, Matt. But that's fine. It's okay. Go say, I, go say hi to Jordy. Is, is Jordy going to be there? I don't know. <laughs> Oh man! I was I'd, just gonna say, go, just go to his house. I would love to have a conversation with the blonde bomber. <laughs> so about that two QB system. Me, me and the blonde bomber, are, are, are you know, we're becoming good friends. Oh yeah. If, in case you didn't know. Oh. So well, let's, <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> so b- b- before we dive into the sports, I, I, I've got something on on the one hundred three seven the game website that I would like to to talk about. And each week we do a get to know the game segment where we all get the same question and we answer it, right? We, we give our own answers and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to talk about this week's blog post, and it is what sports moment made you cry? We'll start with Hannah Five Names. Yeah, let's get that one out of the way. <laughs> I have never cried outright of joy or sadness for sports. However, I have cried laughing from my uncle's friend Dez, who stood in a corner when the LSU football team was losing. Interesting. <laughs> just, just that one time losing. Interesting. I kind of want to go into more. De- I want her to go into more detail about that one. I want to know which game it was. What at what? Which ge- it had to have been an because, Alabama game because she's going to remember. Because well, she re- remember. she remembers her first crush being Nelly at two years old. And then you, you ready? You ready for this one? I'm going to read the answer, and then we can talk about who it is. Is it who I think it is? Yes. World famous? Yes. Okay. As someone who grew up watching the New Orleans Saints in the 90s, I cried more times than not when I was a kid, Anytime that they lost. There's one particular moment that I vividly remember crying, and it was after Jeff Gordon lost a race. I was like seven or so, and I can't even remember what race it was, but apparently it was important enough for the little CD to cry over. Okay, CD, for, first CD never ceases to amaze me. First of all, <laughs> CD, I, I didn't like, like Ray said in 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 his show earlier. I didn't know CD was an NASCAR fan. Secondly, Jeff Gordon, the Rainbow Warrior, really? Like you could have picked a better driver to be a fan of, and and at seven. Dale Sr. was still racing. How are you not a Dale Sr. fan? Anyways. Ray wrote a novel talking about uh, the Braves winning a... Is it winning? Yeah, winning a World Series. So his tears were happy. James... (laughs) Yours is funny. 
Hey, I try to make mine entertaining. Yours, yours is funny. Let me tell you, my first couple of years of being a Saints fan, I would cry after every loss. I would. Thankfully, that didn't happen often. But that 2011 divisional round game against the 49ers still gets to me. It, oh, I, I can't forgive Vernon Davis. I will never forgive Vernon Davis for that one. I can't. I, I, if he ever comes up to me and says, I'm sorry I beat your Saints, I'm going to be like, I don't care. Get out of my face. And then, and then Kevin Foote. Kevin oh, Foot. Kevin. Kevin's the best one. This is how you know that Kevin Foote's answer is going to be good. This is the first sentence. Way too complicated a question for me, but here it goes. <laughs> When I was a kid, I cried and kicked walls after many Saints and Astros losses. The truth is, I still feel the urge to tear up every time I see the Saints or Astros run out on the field for any game. Oh man! For me, it's not so much in the moment of big wins or losses. Like, I didn't cry when the Astros made the World Series for the first time or won the World Series or when the Saints went to the Super Bowl or won it. But years later, when I saw a program recapping those great moments, that's when it's more emotional. In heartbreaking losses, he talks about... UL losing a game against Tennessee in the NIT, the playoff loss to the Niners, playoff loss to the Vikings. And he calls the playoff loss to the Vikings probably the worst place I've ever been as a sports fan ever. And then he says, see, this is a complicated question. See, (laughs) Foot, I love Foot. Oh, Footsie. Foot is, Foot needs a hug. Foot does need a hug, especially right now. Yes. Especially right now. Um... There's a couple other people that need a hug, but we're not going to get into that. James, what do you think our next question should be since since it hasn't come out yet? Like, we haven't been given I like, actually, our next Hannah had asked me. Post. Yeah, we're supposed to be getting these on Thursdays. We didn't get one yet. Right. I was saying, because Hannah asked me as well, what did, I, what did I tell her? Obviously, it was some sports. Oh, I'm, I'm blanking right now. That's fine. Because um, I actually did give her an idea. What was it? It's okay. It's okay. We'll figure I'm it gonna, out. It's going to come up. Like it's it's going to come back It's going to come back to me like next segment. It's going to come back to you. Zurich Classic of New Orleans, day two. Oh, favorite sports venue. Where? where do you, what's your favorite place? To, like, do you like, like, is your favorite place to go Bennett made? Oh. Yeah. Oh, I like that. What's your answer? Me? Out of every sports venue you've ever been to, which one was your absolute favorite? Ooh. See, I've been to <laughs> Cajun Field, uh, okay. Cajun Dome, okay. uh, now Caesars Superdome, uh, Smoothie King. Okay. Minute Maid. Minute Maid. Uh, I think that's about it. I, don't, I haven't been able to go to anything outside, really. Okay, so I w- but like I have a huge bucket list. Actually, that could be like a like this week we do places that you've been to that's your places favorite that you want to go, and then the next one be places that you want to go. I've been Cajun Field, Cajun Dome, Smoothie King, Superdome, Tiger Stadium, Minute Maid, American Airlines Center. In oh, Dallas. I've been to I've been to Wrigley, Wrigley. Uh, Dodger Stadium, Yankee Stadium. I think I, right now I'd have to say Dodger Stadium. You like Dodgers? God, dude, that was so much fun. Good stadium. Great, great environment, great atmosphere. I got to watch Kate uh, Kershaw throw six and a half scoreless innings. was fantastic. Fantastic. Um, and then Yankee Stadium, I got to see the Yankees and the Red Sox. 
Oh, that, oh. that was great. Oh, I bet. Big big Poppy hit a three-run bomb. That was to tie the game because they were down three. Hits a three-run bomb to tie it. What inning was that? Like uh, bottom like, of the like eighth? Like the eighth. It was late, yeah. It was. Let me just tell you this. There was a whole lot of energy in Yankee Stadium. And the second that ball left the bat, that stadium went silent. <laughs> Dead silent. It, it was it was it was pretty nice. It was uh it was something to behold. But anyways, got off track there. Zerich Classic of New Orleans, Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay still in the lead, currently at seventeen under. Sam Burns, Billy Horschel, not too far behind, fourteen under. And looking through the list, last year's champions, Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, they're at twelve under. Couple other groups of note: Davis Riley, Will Zalatoris, they're at ten under. Charles Schwartzel and Budenholz are at nine under. The Scott, Scotty Scheffler, Ryan Palmer group, they're at eight under. So I mean, you got a pretty tight field. Colin Moore, Cal, Victor Hovland, they're at eight under, but they're only through fourteen, so they still have four holes to play today. So they could could make some things. Pretty interesting going uh going down the stretch through the weekend. You know, the Zerich Classic is interesting because it is the only event on the PGA Tour where you team up. It is the only two-man event on the PGA Tour. And I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand how the scoring works. I don't I don't get it. It's it's very it's very complicated. Maybe We'll figure it out here in this first timeout, which we'll take right now. And when we come back, we'll recap LSU baseball's 5-3 to three win over Missouri last night as Mikel Hilliard delivers another gem of a performance. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Cycle Zydeco is a festival on wheels. Experience mouth-watering, mouth-watering Cajun cuisine and live performances by some of the best bands in Louisiana. The ride, which will take place this week and weekend, includes tours of many attractions and options for camping or staying in hotels. Immerse yourself in Acadiana, the birthplace of Zydeco, home to both Cajuns and Creoles alike, and one of the most unique cultures in the United States. If you are looking to volunteer or for more information, visit CycleZydeco.org. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 104-1 in Lake Charles. So, James, LSU baseball last night defeats Missouri 5-3. to Mikel Hilliard pitches seven innings. He did give up seven hits, but he only gave up two runs on those seven hits. No walks, five strikeouts. It's not a bad day. Pretty, pretty, that. pretty dominant performance, and you know it's funny they they talked about a statistic during the game. Mikel Hilliard hasn't been dealt a loss on his record. Nope, since twenty nineteen. Yeah, since twenty nineteen, he has not been put. A, he's not been dealt a loss on his record. He is in the last ten how, how appearances. Many, how many putouts did they have? In the last ten appearances that he. 
has been given the decision. It has been wins. I love um, how they don't give me the stats. Yeah, the the box score is glitching for some reason. Lovely. It's it zeros across the board. Maybe Missouri has it. Anytime. Oh, here it here we go. Put outs. LSU had twenty four. Ooh. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. That's that's uh that was Mizzou. That's Mizzou. Oh. Twenty seven for LSU. Oh, even better. Twenty seven for LSU. It's not bad. Yeah, Mikael Hilliard went seven innings, seven hits, two runs, five Ks, threw hundred and four pitches. And then you also saw Eric Razelman, Riley Cooper, and Paul Gervais. Um, looking at the hitting statistics, leading hitter was Jacob Berry. Jacob Berry had a hell of a game. He went three for four with two home runs. Uh, and then Trey Morgan also getting three hits and two RBIs as well in his four plate appearances. With the win, the Tigers improved to 25-12 and 12 on the year, back to 500 in the SEC, while Missouri falls to 22-13 and 13 and 5-11 and 11 in the SEC. They will play again tonight, 6.30 first pitch. You can hear it all right after us here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. But again, you know, going into this game a little bit deeper, LSU getting a run in the first and the third, they get three in the fifth, which proved to be the difference. Uh, Missouri getting one in the second, one in the third, and then one in the eighth. LSU getting their five runs on 11 hits, no errors. Missouri getting their three runs on nine hits with no errors as well. James, the, the Tigers... It seems like when Mikhail Hilliard is on the mound, they're given the best chance to win so far this season. He has been their most dominant and most consistent starting pitcher. I would say so, yeah. They've I I, I know the the rest of the pitchers, I can't think of any off the top I'm blanking, but they haven't been as good. I mean, if you look at if you look at the statistics You've got Mikhail Hilliard on the year. He's got eight appearances. He's got yeah, eight appearances, a three point eight three ERA. He's three and zero on the year. He's pitched forty innings, forty one hits, twenty runs, nine walks, thirty eight strikeouts. He is second on he is third on the team in strikeouts. The only two pitchers on the team that have more strikeouts than him are Ty Floyd and Blake Money. And Blake Money got the majority of those strikeouts in the early goings because he has he has fallen off a little bit in SEC play, a 2-3 and three record, a 4.78 ERA in 49 innings. He has 46 hits. He's given up 31 runs, 16 hits, and he has struck out 47. But again, LSU's the name of the game for the Tigers this year has been hitting the baseball. Jacob Berry at 354. He is the team leader in batting average. 51 hits, 7 doubles, 10 homers, 36 RBIs. That is good for, tied for second on the team. He and Cade Doty each have 36. Dylan Cruz, the Cruz missile, with 41 RBIs on the season. What's, up with, what's up with Blake Money? Why that man 2-3? and three? I don't know. Didn't he, he start off 2-0? and oh? he's, he's on a three-game losing streak. But he got he got hurt. I know, but we haven't heard anything about that injury and, since. And he, he hasn't. I, I didn't been, think it was that bad. He they they tried to say that it wasn't, but he hasn't been the same guy since he came back from that injury. 
to me, from what I've seen, his velocity looks to be a little down. His control is is kind of scattered. He he's not the same pitcher. And I don't know. You know, Leah Van hinted at this the other day. Maybe it's the raising competition because those first two wins, because those were against Maine and Towson. Yeah. So you got into SEC play. Maybe it was just the raising competition, and he's struggling to get used to it. I don't know. But he just doesn't seem like the same guy since he's come back from his injury. Uh, so LSU's really going to need him to to turn that around if, if they want to you know, continue their success. Because a lot of you know, national college baseball pages – are, are talking about LSU hosting a regional, being one of the 16 national seeds and host, hosting a regional, which would be massive. Otherwise, I really think that they're going to end up being a two seed somewhere. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say a two seed at uh, at Miami in, in Coral Gables, which I could I could see that that would not be a very easy regional. I mean, Miami, good lord, they have been. Phenomenal all season long. But yeah, I mean, if LSU, a lot of people, like I said, they have them sitting right there on that bubble of possibly hosting a regional. Which, if that's the case, if that's something that they think that they can get to this year, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility right now. Uh, according to D1 Baseball, they do have them at a two-seed in Coral Gables. Louisiana Tech would be a three-seed in Fort Worth for TCU. Arkansas would host a regional. Southern Miss would host a regional. According to this, some of these game, some of these regionals could get very interesting, like Dallas. Be Dallas Baptist would be the host. The two-seed would be Texas. Three seed would be Texas State, and the four seed would be Southeastern Louisiana. That that regional could get interesting. I'm kind of I'm kinda, I'm looking at LSU's stats so far this season. Their magic number is eight at least. Yeah, as long as they score at least eight runs, they're sixteen and zero. Which that's a lot of runs. It is. It it no doubt is. That is a lot of runs for a baseball game. But just I, I hate to play the what if game, but um but imagine if LSU had at least a decent middle infield. Oh I know. I know. Jordan Thompson's been better the last couple of games, but still Still overall it's it's not it's, a huge enough improvement where right. you it's it's not great. I get it, it's in the past. But it's like man. Like, that's got to that's got to get straight once we get to regionals. Yeah, it's it's not great. Because um, I don't care if you have the potential of putting up eight plus. And looking at their schedule the rest of the way, Tuesday night they go play a really good UNO team, a really good UNO team. Then they come back to the box to play Georgia. They do another Shriners Classic. Who's a pretty good, pretty good run? Or I'm sorry, wait, I'm with Georgia. You got Nichols. You go to Bama. Bama's not great. You should probably win at least two out of three in that one. Southeastern, Ole Miss, they're good, but they're not doing 
They're 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 struggling right now. You could probably take two out of three there. Northwestern, that they're not too bad. Yeah, Northwestern's not bad. They're pretty good. Um, and then you got the three games set with Vanderbilt, which they're not great this year, but they're always they're always that team you can't they're, count out. They're always Vanderbilt. Like it's just like in in college football, you're gonna say, oh well, you know, it's Oregon, or it's Alabama, or it's Ohio State. Right. In college baseball, it's it's Vanderbilt. Yeah. Like Even if they're having an off year, it's they're all and, and and it's funny, you know, we talk about them having an off year. D one baseball has them being a two seed in a regional, but they're having an off year. That's crazy, yeah. Because usually the expectation with Vanderbilt has become, you know, one of the top eight seeds, if not top sixteen. Um, so again, definitely going to be interesting. And they're, and they're twenty six and ten. Yeah, oh, I know. It's just the, it's just the fact that they're slightly under five hundred right now in conference. They're always so good that this is below expectation. Uh, something to keep an eye on though for for Cajuns fans out there. D one baseball has Georgia Southern. Hosting original as the 16 national seed. That could get interesting. Other Sunbelt teams listed Georgia State as a three seed in Atlanta, Texas State as a three seed in Dallas. So, for all you college baseball fans out there, buckle up, hold on tight. It's going to be a, next, a fun next couple of weeks. Let's take a timeout, and when we come back, John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated and Boot Crew Media will join us to get you set up for everything Saints as we're less than a week away now from the NFL Draft. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mash here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The A2 Fay Festival returns to Arneville April 29th to Sunday, May 1st. The festival features carnival rides, food, bingo, live musical entertainment from Jamie Bajeron, the Kickin' Cajuns, Chubby Carrier, and the Bayou Swamp Band, Clay Carmier and the Highway Boys, just to name a few. In addition to the music and the rides, there is the Mayor's Cook-Off Contest on Saturday, the A2 Fay 5K, and a car show on Sunday. For more information, visit www.arnavillecatholic.org slash A2Fay-Festival. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Plenty of information to talk about when it comes to the black and gold, so there's none better than Mr. John J. Hendricks to do that with. John, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. How's your Friday down in New Orleans? Hey, thanks for having me as always, man. Uh, I, it's going good. So about to make me some, some pulled pork and all that good stuff. So it's a nice little day out here. Going to be at the Pelicans game tonight? I won't. I'll be cheering them on from the TV, though. <laughs> so question number one that I have for you, John, and it, it's something that, that came across 
you know, in the last 24 hours or so, and it's it's rumors that Drew Brees could be moving networks. What have you seen about that? What have you, what do you think about that? Could could we see more of Drew Brees on on, on Fox Sports here soon? Yeah, I think it's possible. And look, I, I tell you that it would make sense just because I, I think Sean Payton's headed to Fox too. Again, that's that's kind of not necessarily confirmed, but something I heard the other day is that it sounds like he's heading to Fox. And so I would be interested to see if Drew would end up pairing. Maybe they run a three man booth. Maybe there's something there. I don't know 100%, but, um, you know, look, it wouldn't surprise me. I know Drew loves what he's doing and, you know, being able to be in the booth and such. And, uh, you know, he brings a different perspective. I, I didn't get to hear a ton of him, obviously, just because, you know, uh, watching games and stuff, but, uh, or being at the dome for the games and stuff like that. But, you know, again, I think it's a mixed bag of how his first year went, but I think he only is going to get better from everything. And, and so, look, he's a smart guy. He knows the game. He knows the ins and outs of it. And so I think that uh, it would be a smart move if he does jump. But, Again, a lot of moving parts and pieces because, you know, if you would have asked me that Buck and Aitman would have went to ESPN at the, at any point, I would have laughed because I thought they would have been at Fox forever. Yeah, that, that move definitely came out of left field for a lot of us. But, you know, uh, another question that I have, and it, it's slightly related, is that Drew Brees basically endorsed Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback for this team. So now my, my, my question following that is, do you still think the Saints are exploring the possibility of drafting a quarterback? I, look, I, I'm not. I'm against them drafting a quarterback. And, again, none of the, the – here's why. I mean, none of the quarterbacks that you get are going to be starter-ready material, right? They're going to have to sit behind. They're going to have to develop for a year or two. Um, and, look, again, I, I just think those picks are better used for – you know, a wide receiver, offensive lineman. I think they're going to need a linebacker. They're going to need a lot of help, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, again, you look at it and see, again, I think I believe in Jameis Winston, and I think you should let him do his thing, right? And, you know, for me, that's kind of where I've been been talking a lot this offseason is that if you bring him back on a two-year deal and none of the quarterbacks are guys that you want to come in and say, okay, well, let's give them the keys to the kingdom because we think they're going to be the next Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. I mean, it's just, it's just not realistic in this draft. So I would hate to pick if they do that again, two year deal for Winston. They're not overly financially committed to him. They built his contract with a lot of incentives, a lot of things that make him uh, behoove him to play well. But, you know, look, when they take a quarterback, I think it's possible. I mean, you know, even at some point, because, with Taysom Hill going to tight end, all you have is Andy Dalton and Ian Book. And, you know, in training camp, they'll probably add one more. But that's the other thing is, do they believe in Book to, to kind of get a little bit better? Not saying he would start, but, you know, how do they view that quarterback room? I know they think the world of Andy Dalton. I know Jameis Winston is capable. Personally, I wouldn't be in favor of a quarterback in the first two rounds or, you know, maybe round three if you take a, a, a later flyer on somebody I think that would be something that you might look at but I just don't see it with some of these chatting with John Hendricks of Sports Illustrated and most recently of Boot Crew Media Boot Crew Media John Jarvis Landry and and Tyron Matthew are, are two names that have been connected to the Saints via free agency Jarvis Landry most recently visiting with the Saints on Wednesday it's getting 
a little too close to the draft to to try to make a move now. Do, do you think the Saints are going to maybe see and wait what happens with the draft this weekend before or the next weekend before making a move? Yeah, I think a lot of these players are waiting to see how the draft process plays out. And, you know, again, if, after the draft and stuff, it does wipe away some of that comp pick formula that they use. And so I think that's another thing to think about. But, look, you're going to do their due diligence. And I think it's something that, you know, if they don't look at wide receiver early, maybe they look at Landry's way. I, you know, personally, I think – it's better to draft some of these guys that are available. I mean, it's a rich pool of wide receivers. I would be in favor of more of saying, okay, go sign Tyron Matthew before you do Jarvis Landry because I think you can get some stud wide receivers on day one and day two and even in day three. And so, again, this team has zero excuses for getting better. I know Landry has had some, some good seasons, um, but, you know, the last two have not been good for him. And, you know, moreover, you know, his – market is, is, is it all tainted right now just because of what Christian Kirk still looked like. And there's no way you pay this guy $20 million a year for a guy who hasn't even sniffed a thousand yards in, in a couple seasons. And look, I get it. Some people love him from LSU days. I'm a big LSU fan myself, but look, you got to look at fit. And I, I take a first rounder and a third rounder or a second round wide receiver well over. I'd take Jarvis Landry and I'd sign to run Matthew before I do that. John, I got a question for you that that is a little lighthearted, but then at the same time, I'm also kind of serious. Um, can we teach Saints players what two factor authentication is? <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to have to have a small little class in that because you saw what happened with Zach Bond today. For anybody who didn't know that, you know, he got, I guess, hacked and taken over by those cryptos, and I think it was like within a matter of. 30 minutes there was like 9,000 tags of people for NFTs but um, yeah that's that's a pretty crazy one and I know it's happened to some some other people beat writers it's happened to other players I mean you gotta you gotta take care of that stuff and I know some of these guys don't get on social media especially Twitter more maybe Instagram but uh, it'll be probably a good fun joke that they'll have at a training camp or you know other places yeah just just somebody show them how to set up two-factor authentication on their social media and and we'll be we'll be all good. Uh, one more before I let you run, man. Sixteen and nineteen are the first round selections for the Saints. Where where do you see them? What what order do you see them going? Do you think they stay there? You know what what do you think the draft game plan is? I'd be a fan of staying there just because again, after mentioned stuff about the quarterback, I just don't see it. You know, um, I would think that you go offensive lineman and wide receiver, and the reasoning why is the Chargers going to need an offensive lineman too. Um, so. There's no guarantees if you pass on Trevor Penning the first time around that he's going to be there at 19. And so I think with the way things have shaped out, you could probably get Chris Olave at 19. I know some people said Jameson Williams is going to go in the top 10. Again, I think a lot of this is maybe stirred up by people just because, I mean, this is going to make a big difference in financials, right? But, you know, he's coming off an ACL injury. I think Drake London can go a little bit ahead of him. And obviously Garrett Wilson's a stud. There's so many different ones, but – you know, realistically, I think Penning is the guy that you might look at at 16, guy who can play for Teron Armstead. Um, you know, he needs some work in pass protection, but, you know, he's a nasty guy, very physical. And, I mean, just there's things that you see about his tape that you just absolutely love. And so I think any of the shortcomings in his game can be passed up. If they don't get Jamison Williams, again, ACL injury, that's, that's obviously tough and concerning, but, you know, everything I heard, it's all that he's ahead of schedule, so that's a good thing for him, but Alave is more of a, uh, you can use him in the slot. You can do a lot of different things. That would make sense for the Saints, but 
man, Jameson is just a special guy that uh, that I really like a lot of, of everything I've seen from him. I mean, he is a former Ohio State guy transfer. So I'd like to see a Jameis Jameson connection personally. Yeah, the, Jameson Williams definitely wouldn't be a bad move. I really like Chris Olave. And then uh, I think we're in a consensus on the Trevor Penning move. If he's there at 16, yeah, I, no question about it. Yeah, I just don't – I know some people have talked about Charles Cross. I just don't think he's going to last. And, of course, it's going to all depend on how this board shakes out. You know, who's going to take quarterbacks? Are the Panthers going to be one? Are the Commanders going to be one? I mean, all these teams that may need it, Atlanta's going to need – you know, they're committed to Matt Ryan right now, but are they going to think about the future? So it's always interesting because the mocks throw a billion different scenarios in a way, and the Saints are ones that do, do their own mocks too, but – It'll be interesting to see how that it falls and, and if the board looks a certain way that could fall in the same flap. John J. Hendricks has been our guest. John, appreciate you taking the time. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line, my friend. Yes, sir. Go Pels. Go Pels. Love that. John J. Hendricks of Sports Illustrated and Boot Crew Media. Cajuns softball update from Boone, North Carolina. It is the end of the first inning. And the Cajuns are trailing App State three to nothing. So we will keep you updated on that one throughout the broadcast. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will talk Cajuns baseball. Get you set for for their three game set with Georgia State. We'll take your phone calls. 337-706-0111. Hotline hasn't been buzzing today, but we want it to. So 706-0111. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. As always, Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, Le Meridian Houston, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 51 minutes after 4 o'clock. James, you ready for this? So James James Borrego was let go by the Charlotte Hornets today after four seasons. But this is where this is why I'm bringing this up. This is a quote from Sham Sharina. The ultimate decision maker in Charlotte that got James Borrego fired, Michael Jordan. Man. So Jordan's firing people. Hey. I gotta trust it. Is MJ. Yeah, I'm with you. I just... You're going to disrespect the GOAT? Here's here's my thing, man. They have played in two play-in tournaments. And they didn't win either? What more do you want out of Charlotte, though? You got, young, young. You got young talent. But They're young. I'm not saying he deserved to be fired, as far as I know. I didn't... I didn't think he did a terrible job. 
I think I think that's just a little. But I mean, the fact that they didn't really improve, it, it's kind of like, hey, I mean, we kind of expected you. I get it. Charlotte's never been a great place to play basketball at, but you feel like Lamelo's taking a step forward, and yet they're still in the same place as before. Yeah, it's like we're we're true. we're trying to elevate fast, and MJ's about winning, and they're not winning, so. Go get another guy. Go get some more pieces to build around Lamelo and see what she can do. That's one trade that I saw that I that I think is good is the fact that since Charlotte's not good at defense, they're good at offense. But that's another thing is they don't have defense. Go get Gobert. Hmm. One of the they got a split. Mitchell that's and true. Mitchell and Gobert got a split. That's true. And I don't think they're gonna keep Gobert. I think they're going to try and build around Donovan Mitchell more as as they should. As they should. So, odd man out. Go Bear. Go Bear. Go the Hornets. How about this? The Giants are looking to trade wide receiver Kadarius Kadarius Tony already. I saw. I did see something. I didn't get to read it. I meant to, but I did not. But I did see that what Kenny Galladay had called out other wide receivers in New York for the Giants. I don't know if well, it was Tony specifically or if it was have. others, but something's some, going on over there. Yeah, clearly something's not right because they're already looking to trade him. Uh, Chris Rosegavlu said he'd be interested to see what the asking price would be. Oh, I'm intrigued. He's a great route runner. He's not great at catching the ball, but he's amazing at route running. In other local sports news, Yuli Gurriel will receive his 2021 Golden Glove Award tonight at Minute Maid Park before the game. The team will also receive the MLB's Team Gold Glove Award. I didn't even know there was a Team Gold Glove. I knew there was one for players. That's obvious. But I didn't realize that there was a, like a team. Is it kind of like a, is it kind of like if they were to do like a offensive team of the year for the NFL? I guess. Like, yeah, who, who put be. up the best offense? It would have to be. Um, the Astros playing the Toronto Blue Jays. George Springer is not playing tonight against his former team. And then here's another Astros story. So Ross Stripling used to play for the Dodgers. He now plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. He is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays' starting pitcher tonight for the against the Astros. This is a headline from when he played for the Dodgers. Dodgers pitcher Ross Stripling says he'd intentionally hit Astros batters amid sign-stealing scandal. Over under five bombs. I was going to say, are we just are on, we just going to see nukes all game on, on on Ross Stripling tonight? Oh, I'm hoping for that. They're just going to nuke him. Uh, oh man, that would be that would be incredible. And each one of them talked to him. Incredible. I got a question for you, and it's related to your Celtics. Okay. Ben Simmons could be coming back Monday for uh-huh. game four. Okay. Does that change your outlook? No. Not even a little bit. Nope. Rob Williams is coming back in at least a limited role game three tomorrow. Why would I be worried about Ben Simmons? Who's to say he's fully recovered mentally? 
that's that's a lot of confidence. That's a lot of confidence. Could they could they get two? Could they get to Game Seven? Maybe. But do I think Celtics are still winning? <laughs> Hell yeah. If the Celtics win tomorrow, do you think the series is over? Oh uh, yeah, it's done. Easy. It's it's over. This man as, said as Vince easy. as Vince Carter would do in the dunk contest. It's over. This man it's said done. easy. Man, how about the Grizzlies last night? Coming back from 24 down to win the game by nine. Desmond Bain with 26, 6, and 2 to lead the Grizzlies. Uh, Jordan Poole, phenomenal again for Golden State, 118 to 113. They now lead that series three games to none. And then the Mavs take game three, 126 to 118 to push them out in front of the Utah Jazz. Hour number one in the books. Thanks to John J. Hendricks for joining us here in hour number one. In hour number two, phone lines, hotline is open, 706-0111. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two, you know what it do. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. I don't know why I do the things that I do. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 502 on your Friday. That means the weekend is here. LSU baseball wins a big one last night, 5-3, to three, to start off 1-0 in this series with Missouri. You got the Zurich Classic going on in New Orleans. You got the Pelicans game three tonight. James, we barely even talked about game three. Of the we Pels. haven't even gotten to that. We haven't even really talked about it. I mean... I'm going to be there. I'm super excited for that. I'll be there in spirit. The The place is going to be sold out. I don't know if there's even going to be a chance to breathe. <laughs> but again, I, I, I've hit on this before and I'm going to say it again. I don't know what kind of team to expect out of the Suns if they don't have Devin Booker. I mean, they, the, okay, so the thing is with that is they went 5-2 and two whenever he was out, but that was in December. That was a different team back right. then. Those games didn't matter. And I was going to say, and I don't know who the teams were specifically, but ain't no way at least five of them were in the, in the playoffs. In the top five. In the playoffs, not having Devin Booker on the Suns is like trying to start a Mustang without spark plugs. It's not going to work. Yeah. (laughs) It's not going to work. You have to. We were talking about balanced basketball. I I can't see each one of these guys putting up 12 to 15. You're going to need big numbers from your big men. You need need Aiden to have a double-double at least. You need Chris Paul to also have at least a double-double. You need Jay Crowder to show up. Jay Crowder and Cameron Payne and all of them to each score between... 
10 and 15, I would right. say. And I, <laughs> Jay's only gotten five out of the two games. He scored six total points in those two games. Uh, that's going to be interesting because, again, I just I don't even know what to expect without without Devin Booker in the Suns lineup. Does Alfred Payton play more? Like Devin Booker, he put up thirty one and had insane shooting in the first half, and they were only up by five. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. No, that's what I'm saying. They were up a, a whole bunch at halftime in Game One. And the Pelicans clawed back. Like it, they haven't been able to run away with it because, and that the and team, that was with this Booker team seems pretty two, flawed. And that was with Booker playing two great games. Exactly. So him not on the court at all. I don't know. Other NBA action tonight: Miami, Atlanta, Game Three. Miami currently leading the series two nothing. James, what do you see happening with that? I'm taking Miami, man. They're, they're they're in Atlanta. Well, well, well. I mean, I'm definitely taking Miami in the series. Trey could steal one. I think Trey could steal one. It's just he's Miami. Been su- the thing is, he's just he's been suffocated. Yeah, he really he, has. He has been ice cold. He really he really has, especially from three. I think I remember seeing a graphic on Instagram. They said in the first two games, I think he's. One for 13 from three? God, really? I think so. Let me see. Let me look at the last two games. And then, so let's, the other issue that I have with with the Hawks and the Suns, the Hawks are so up and down. So let's see, in game two, he was two of 10 from three. And then in game one, he was 0 of 7. So yeah. 2 so, of 17. 2 of 17 from 3. Which I believe... That's 12%. Yeah. So... That's 12%. That's not great. Could they Could they steal one? I could see it at home in Atlanta. Why do you think they're so up and down? Because like last year... Was it last year or the year before... They made the Eastern Conference Finals. The Hawks. Yeah, it was last season. Last year, because they because because Trey took down Randall and the Knicks in the first round, right? And then I forgot who they beat in the second round, but then they got to Milwaukee in the third round, and yeah, I mean, why, got their face crushed. Why, why are they? I mean, obviously, why, I don't, why I don't do pay I pay too much attention to the Atlanta Hawks? Why do like, I? My theory is it's because you're centered around. A six foot guard who who has to shoot at a volume rate six one sorry but still he's shooting he Same has to difference. shoot at a vol yeah he has to shoot at a volume rate for him to be effective he can dish assists he can play make but the fact that he's still six one and is at times a very inconsistent shooter I get it everybody has slumps like who doesn't but the fact that your main guy is a six foot one shooting point guard it feels like that that's easy to suffocate we've seen Kyle Lowry go crazy and he's the one on the heat that's kind of smothering Trey to be honest and so is Jimmy but it feels like if he's your main guy that's where you're struggling look at the look at the Hornets when they had Kimba Kimba's six foot exactly if even that 
I'm probably taller than Kimba. Who knows? <laughs> he said I'm probably taller than Kimba. You might be right. So, whenever your whenever your main focus on offense is a six foot point guard that is okay at dishing the ball, but has to score and has to score at a volume rate to be really effective. That's not gonna. That's not gonna get you super far. That's right. not gonna win you a title. Yeah, and that and that's my problem with the Atlanta Hawks. And then and then in your other matchup, Milwaukee and Chicago, and th- this is just a battle of two injured teams. It really is because Zoe is not back yet, and Chris Middleton got injured in game two. Yeah. Or was it game one? Uh, I think it was game two. Game two, yeah. He's, and he's going to be out probably two weeks at least. So, at but, least this one's in Chicago to where the Bulls have a chance now because I remember Gazzolo, whenever he came in on Wednesday, he said, no oh, shot. Poor Jim. But they won. They poor won. Jim. Update you on Cajuns baseball, who's just gotten underway in hot Atlanta. It is still 0-0 in the top of the first. Cajuns have a runner on first with two outs. And as I say that, Tyler Robertson grounds out to the pitcher to retire the side. So, Georgia State coming to bat. We'll keep you updated with that. Speaking of that series, while we're while we're on the topic of Cajuns baseball, three-game set with Georgia State. Today's game just started. Tomorrow they'll play at 3. Sunday they'll play at 12 noon due to travel. See, that's the interesting thing with college baseball and weekend series. You have to start the Sunday game early if the opposing team has to travel a far distance. Because if they flew, the game has to end at a point to where the team can get back to the airport to catch their flight. So I've seen it happen before where... It happened a couple weeks ago. A game has run long. And that's when you get the rare tie. And I have seen a game end in the seventh inning. Because... The team had to get to the airport. I have seen the Cajuns come out on the victor, the victor side of that as well as the losing side of that. I remember one game, they were down 5-3 in the eighth when the game got called. And, I mean, it just it, it is what it is. The fact that the team had to fly to Atlanta means that Sunday's game has to be done by a certain point, by a specific time. Looking at the statistics for the Cajuns, you got three hitters hitting over 300. Connor Kimple at 304, Tyler Robertson at 306, and then Carson Rockefort hitting a clean 341. Rockefort is also your home run and RBI leader with eight home runs and 41 RBIs on the season. Like I said, I keep you, we'll keep you updated on the Cajuns and the Panthers. LSU baseball tonight, 630, first pitch. You can hear it here on the game. And then the Astros will play tonight as well against the Toronto Blue Jays. First pitch is set for 7-10. And you can hear it on our sister station, News Talk 98-5. Pitching matchup for that game tonight for the Blue Jays, like we mentioned, Ross Stripling. So far on the year, he has a a 3.0 ERA and six innings pitched, three hits, three Ks, three walks. And then for the Astros, it will be JV Day. Good old Justin Verlander, 1-1 one one on the year with a .69 ERA in 13 innings of work. He's given up six hits and 13 strikeouts. He's walked three. 
I'm interested to see what's going to happen with Jose Altuve with his hamstring strain. He's sitting on the 10-day DL currently. How long is he going to be out? The last time he did this to a hamstring, Bregman, I mean, Altuve missed two months. Hamstrings are very finicky. That's why the Suns are so worried about Devin Booker. Devin Booker might not play again the rest of the series. Probably won't play again the rest of the series. How is that going to affect the Suns? How is that going to benefit the Pelicans? And speaking of the Pelicans, we still have that poll question. We do still have that poll question. How many games do you see the Pelicans taking? Would it be game three? Would it be game four? Would it be both? Could it be neither? So far, 20% say game three, 20% say game four, 50% say both, and I've got 10% that say neither. And we have a comment from JBK, the OD, doing the the little, I don't even know what to, it's not a fist pump, but like what is, like the, the yes arm tug? I don't know what the, the, the like, the, the success. Yes, yeah. I don't know what the true name for that movement is. I, uh, I don't know. Because a fist pump would be like you, coming out, but when or, it comes or going in, up, right? Or when it comes in, uh, I don't know. Or, but his, but the the elbow goes down. You're like score, right? Woo! Take a time out, right? But here. We, we do also have a comment from Robert Duplichet on Facebook. He said, "Oh, do we?" He says both. But absolutely. Are, are the Pelicans not going to take both? James, what do you think? I believe they have a very good shot at it. I will ultimately say, if they win tonight, I think they got game four. So if they win tonight, they get game four. And if they get game four... It'll be 3-1. Do you, which means... You'll have your punishment. I have my punishment, right. But how how soon... If they go up 3-1, how soon does the series end? Would the Suns? I think the you, Suns will take. Would, I think the Suns will take their game five in Phoenix, and then and then it come back you, to New Orleans. And then I think you can end it in game six. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, a, a, a series win with this team is is more than enough for me. Like I said at this point, now I say it's like if they if they win this series, it's a success. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Hell, like, hella improvement getting to the play-in tournament and then getting to the playoffs. Hella, but winning it. Easy success. God, could you imagine B.I., C.J., Zion, and the lotto pick? With Jonas? Oh. And Herb? Oh. And Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado and I could go. And Larry Nance? Larry Nance, Najee Marshall, I could go. Jackson, Jackson Hayes. Hayes. I could go on and on you feel and you're, on. You're going to feel real good about this team. God, I love the Pelicans. Take a time out right here when we come back. Open hotline 706-0111. Open segment. What do you want to talk about? Pelicans, Saints, Cajuns, Tigers, Cowboys, Astros, whatever. 706-0111. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 22nd, 1990. Indianapolis selects Illinois quarterback Jeff George with the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. 
George plays four seasons with the Colts and suits up for seven teams in his 14-year career. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to laugh till it hurts. But the pain's going to be for a great cause. Cajun Comic Relief returns tomorrow night, April 23rd, to Angel Hall on the campus of UL Lafayette. The comedy event, with its proceeds benefiting the Cajun Navy Ground Force, will feature comedians and entertainers Sam Jobert, Steve Shaw, and the Raging Cajun John Morgan. KADN news anchor Jeff Horshack and our very own Guy Raymond the III will serve as co-MCs for the event. Tickets cost only $30 and can be purchased at eventbrite.com. B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com. Dot com. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, Gazamesh, here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 in Lake Charles. Once again, hotline is open, 706-0111. James, are, are you a NASCAR guy at all? I like to drive fast, but... I don't like to watch other people drive fast. Especially not in a circle. Right. Yeah. He's making another left turn. God, you sound like my father. My dad used to tell me that all the time because I'm a NASCAR fan. And so whenever I would turn a race on at his house, it was, oh, he's turning left. Huh? Oh, oh, they're he, making the turn. Oh, look, look at that. He turned left again. <laughs> Wait, one more time. They're going to turn left again. It may be just a little too repetitive. And then and then I loved when they would race at a road course, and I was like, ha-ha, there's right and left turns now. <laughs> Loser. Buddy. But no, uh, Dustin Poirier is at the NASCAR races in Talladega this weekend. The Diamond? Yeah, because his the company that makes his hot sauce is sponsoring a car. Are you at least going to buy the hot sauce? Because you weren't going to buy his bourbon. Well, I already have his hot sauce. Oh, you do? And it's not that I don't want to buy his bourbon. I just don't I never, see... I never said you didn't want to. I just said you're not going how, to. How... Who pays $100 for a bottle of bourbon? Do you pay $100 for a jersey? No, actually, I don't. Oh, that, yeah, that's true. You do. You did. I show buy me them that, from China. You did show me that, that China website. Yeah, I, I don't pay $100 for a jersey. The most I have paid for a jersey that I own is $35. <laughs> my, my question backfired. Yes, yes, it did. It sure did. I've been foiled. Um, God, a hundred dollars for something that I'm going to drink. Just, I, I can't get myself to do it. Just can't now. If somebody wanted to buy it for me, be my guest. Am I going to buy it myself? Probably not. Probably not. That's just too much money. It's too much money. Now, in the NFL. Obviously, the the draft is coming up in in just a couple of days, and there's constant moving and shaking with positions. So I want to play a little game, Would You Rather. Okay. Okay. I love those. So this is going to be Saints and their rivals. Okay. Okay, here's here, here's number one. Is it me personally, or, or am I going to act as if I am that team's GM? You, per, you personally. Me personally. And then I want you to explain why briefly. Okay. Would you rather Carolina take a quarterback 
or a receiver? I'd rather them take a quarterback. And your explanation? Because I think they all suck. <laughs> would you? They're rather? all. They're all too. Like, are we talking about their first round pick? Yeah. Number yeah. Six, number yeah six. I'd, I would rather them take a quarterback because I think that's very high for how weak of a quarterback class this is, in my opinion. And them having even more of a conundrum where it's like, oh well, oh, if we have Sam Darnold, but it's impossible to get rid of him, so we're gonna have to pay him all this money. But we won't start Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, but they're not ready. But if we'd start them, they might suck, and then we're still going to be four and thirteen. Yeah, uh, basically, with Sam Darnold, you're going to be four and thirteen. Without Sam Darnold, you're going to be four and 13. you may be three and fourteen. So or, you, or five and twelve. Like it I doesn't mean, it doesn't really matter. So right. them having such a conundrum with that, it, I would it, like that. It doesn't it, getting another dis, receiver dysfunctional. I, another receiver for them, it would have the Saints have less likely of a chance to get a receiver. All right, Atlanta. Would you rather them take a quarterback or trade back? I'm fine with either, really. I'd rather them... I'd rather them take a quarterback as well. Because that way, now they have another quarterback, then they'll have to find a trade partner just in case if they are like, well, actually, maybe we don't like... Malik Willis, or maybe we don't like Kenny Pickett, or maybe we don't like Desmond Ritter. Maybe we don't like any of these guys after all, and now you have to find a trade partner, and that's going to eat into your cap again because you're going to have to pay a dead cap because it's only right. we haven't even hit the second year of his contract yet. Right. And you're going to have to find a way to get rid of Mariota, but then you're also going to have to worry about, well, now we're looking into the QBs of this, of this draft. You know what I mean? No. Would you rather the Saints... With their 16th pick. Okay. Chris Olave or Jamison Williams? <sighs> Say in a perfect world, both of them are available. In a perfect world, both of them are available? Which mm. one would you take? Give me Jamison. Really? Give me Jamison. He's, if he wasn't injured, he'd pro- he would probably be the bona fide number one wide receiver in this draft. Yeah. I don't, so, I don't disagree with that. So and the fact that he's had good, he's making good recovery thus far. I mean, if if let's say let's say the Saints do pick him at sixteen, and he makes good progress, he may miss a little bit of time, like maybe the first couple of weeks of the season, because I mean he did get injured in the championship game in January in, in late January. So for him to be back not eight months later, actually. The fact that he would be back eight months later after tearing an ACL, that would be a miracle in and of itself. And the and then him to be productive, that would be wild. But like I said, I'm not necessarily expecting the Saints to win this year. I'm expecting this to be a progression type of year. Not a rebuild, a little more of a retool. Yep. Because you're going to have to get used to not having Marcus Williams anymore. You're going to have to get used to not having Teron Armstead anymore. You're make, There's a lot of change. Yep. You're... You're expecting Jameis to be that guy, or at least you would hope. Because God, I hope Jameis is that guy. Ho- I really hopefully do. they don't have to pick a quarterback. Hopefully they don't pick a quarterback because Please then you would Please waste the first round pick in my eyes. Please don't pick a quarterback. That's- so I I would say Jameis Williams. He he makes progress and he starts to improve toward the end of the year, and then once you get into training camp in 2023, you're looking at it and you're like, yeah, that's our number two. 
Then you don't have to. Then then you don't have to hear Saints fans anymore talking about. We need a number two. Can, Where's our other receiver? Right, right. Uh, I'm real. I'm tired of asking that myself. We we need a number two. Uh, I'm ready for that. I'm not saying you don't. I've just always said it's. Uh, everything starts in the trenches. Where's the ball start no, on the no, line? Who's on the sure. line of scrimmage? Who's sure. who's next to the ball? The offensive line. All right. Who protects your QB from getting killed and tearing his ACL? You're off in the line. Exactly. All right. Tom's getting way too much pleasure out of out of this whole oh, scenario. Is he enjoying your, himself a little too much? He commented on the poll question, both dot, 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 and I your mean, punishment, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And then he puts the joker. <laughs> yeah, he's having too much fun with this. That, one, that one's a weird, that's a weird gif. It is a weird gif. Do, do you say gif or jif? Because I kind of go. It's a gif. I say I go back and forth. Yeah, it, it's gif. I originally said jif, but I'm kind of. And actually, I'm, both I, ways. I'm glad you you brought up the Joker. That that brings up a, a great next question, and it's not sports related. We didn't even get to the the Bucks. The Bucks. Well, you asked me. We were oh gonna... no, we will. We will. We got time. Okay, okay, we will. Um, was Heath Ledger your favorite Joker? I've only seen the Heath Ledger Batman, so by default, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. He was the best Joker of all time, so that's fine. Nineteenth um, pick for the Saints. Would you rather offensive tackle or trade back? I would rather. I'd rather. If I could, if if you could just get it, if you could just get him, get just get Trevor Penning. Yeah. Of course, I haven't seen a whole bunch of film, but I mean, like I said, would trading back and getting a lot of stuff be good because they tend to draft really good in the second, third, and fourth round? Yeah, but if I could get that really nice offensive tackle that could be my Teron Armstead replacement, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. All right, so Tampa. Let's see. where What are their positions of need still? Well, they could use another wide receiver. Their right tackle isn't the greatest. Let's they have see. they, they still. I mean, they technically only have Cameron Braid at tight end and like somebody else. But since Gronk's technically not under contract right now, and they did move on from OJ. So Howard. here we go. Would you rather them get tight end or safety? Uh, I'd rather them get tight end because I've already seen a video of Gronk saying, "Oh, I'm just gonna wait a while and then just resign with the Bucks." Like he he was literally in a barber shop and they videoed right. him and he's like as he was walking out he's like yeah I'm coming back I'm gonna play for Tampa I'm just gonna wait a while and make him sweat so if they it, it'd be great for them to take a tight end and then be like oh then, oh Gronk you are back buddy have Gronk come back right oh, so man. yeah that I would love that I would love them to take a tight end when nobody really grades in the first round scoring update for Louisiana baseball the Cajuns lead two nothing. Going to the bottom of the second, followed after a Julian Brock single to score Heath Hood, and he advanced to second on the throw. And then my guy Warner Rinconis with a double to right center. That's your boy. To score JB to make it 2 nothing in favor of the Ragin' Cajuns. Softball, quick check of, of their score. Let's see what we're looking at in Boone, North Carolina. Scores loading. Dang computer. It's 3-1 in the bottom of the fourth in favor of 
the Mountaineers. The Boone, no matter no matter how bad they are or or whatever you want to say, that's a tough place to go play. It really is. Let's take a time out right here. And when we return, Carly Viatar, the marketing director of Festival International, will join us. And we'll, on the other side, we'll wrap it up and take you to your weekend here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Festival International is a little more than a week away, which is one of the best weekends in Acadiana, if you're unfamiliar. The music, the food, the culture, it's really a sight to see. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be April 27th through May 1st, downtown Lafayette. And here to talk about Festival International is Carly Viatar, who is the marketing director of festival international carly good afternoon thank you for taking the time how are you good afternoon thanks so much for having us today now question number one that that i have is obviously the covid pandemic took a hit for everybody but even more so with with a music festival like this because you couldn't get together in person and whatnot now that you have the opportunity to be back in person and it be just as big as it was before COVID, what's the excitement level like coming from you guys to be able to to have it at full speed again? I think there's a new appreciation in the air this year, um, both amongst us at the festival office, all of our volunteers, but also the community. Um, we can tell from the way things have been going that everyone is just as excited as us. We've got volunteers signing up, sold out of passes, and um, got all kinds of new sponsors and Amis this year. So we're just so thankful that everyone's showing their support, and we're very, very excited to see everyone in person. Um, we're always really pumped up this time of year, but it really feels different. Um, it's like a family reunion every time we see each other. So we're really excited to all be together for a whole week of food, music, and fun. Now the the Bonton passes we've been we've been reading up and and letting people know about them because we're we're giving a couple away here at the station. But from from your perspective, you're going to be able to explain it a lot better than than we can. So what comes with a Bonton pass and how can people you know what, what's the best way to take advantage of those passes? So the Bonton passes are super awesome. I always tell people once they have a Bonton pass, they're never going to look back. Um, you get to have up close views of the music side stage views and front row views, which changes everything. It's like you get to connect with the artists. You get to see all of their interesting instruments and it just changes everything. And you have more space to move around as well, which is cool. Um, you also get AC restrooms, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you're all sweaty and festivally, it's so nice to just have a quick break, um, especially if you have children. That's really nice. You also get express beverage lines, so no waiting in the hot sun. You just hurry up and you don't miss a beat. You jump right back into the music. So all kinds of great perks come with the Bonton Pass. And um, we're so excited we sold out this year. And that's so cool that you've been holding on to yours over here at Delta to give away. I bet people are really excited about that. Chatting with Carly Viatar, the marketing director of Festival International. Carly, you know, now that Festival is, is coming up at, at about a week away, your job, so obviously festival takes a year to plan, but in, in that last week, it has to get 
a lot crazier, a lot busier? What what is the week ahead for the marketing director for festival look like? It feels like a really beautiful storm is coming. So it's definitely crunch time. You can see downtown things are starting to uh, pop up and our office is just buzzing with volunteers and our board of directors and everyone's just zipping around doing different things. All the physical elements have to be pulled out, start setting up downtown, all the parking passes and all the things we have to do to take care of our artists, our vendors, trash recycling. It's just a whirlwind of preparation right now. Um, for me, I'm running around doing these interviews with everybody in town, just getting pumped up with everyone and sharing what's new. Um, and I think we have some some things to talk about with you in terms of where we're at now and what to do next. So what is, what is the process? You know, if, if somebody is listening to this interview and maybe they want to volunteer or, you know, they want to figure out ways to get to festival or how they can get involved, how can they do that? You can use the website, festivalinternational.org, or the mobile app, and you can sign up to volunteer through both of those options. And what's cool is you can also check out the full music schedule, see who exactly you want to go watch, and build your volunteer shift or shifts around that. So we don't want you to miss the acts that you're excited about. Um, we just ask for a few hours of your time, and it's a very, very fun volunteer shift. And um, yeah, just head to the website or the mobile app and you can quickly take a look and secure that shift. And now I'm going to bring in LUS Fiber spokesperson, Miss Angelique Guillory. Miss Angelique, first of all, thank you for taking the time out of your busy day. How are you and how excited are you guys at LUS Fiber for festival? Well, good afternoon, Matt. Um, we're terribly excited to be sponsors for our Festival International this year. Finally, in person, we're so excited. And just like Carly was saying, it's going to be like a family reunion. There's a lot of excitement in the air. And on our parts as well, our mission has always been to connect the community. And this will give us the chance to showcase that and allow people to have a unique experience and make wonderful memories while being able to stay connected to their loved ones while enjoying the festival. And, and that will make it a success. Now, you know, one of the biggest things that, that you guys are doing at LUS Fiber is providing connectivity for people that are there, you know, free Wi-Fi and stuff like that. How important is it for you guys to, to do that in, in a time like festival when everybody comes in from all over to, to celebrate this culture? I mean, it's really important nowadays because the internet, Wi-Fi, it's not a luxury anymore. It's really a necessity. And since we're committed to connecting the community to each other as well as the outside world, we're very excited to be able to allow access and for them to use us as a platform for their digital devices throughout the festival to make those memories and to have a wonderful experience. I mean, the Internet now is is it can you know, we work diligently in order to build infrastructure. We just got an NTIA 21 million dollar grant so that we can build infrastructure in unserved areas so we can connect, be connected with the community and we, we're so excited about that because it, it allows you to have access to health care if you're homebound. It allows you educational and work opportunities. And this is the, this is a thing that we're committed to. Now, festival is for pleasure and enjoyment, but it's a fun time. Finally, we're going to be together in person and we're very excited about it. So it's it's these two things going on at the same time. 
But again, we're committed to connect the community to one another and to the world. It's very important to us. That is our mission. And it starts with Festival International. Chatting with Carly Viatar and Angelique Guillory. I've got a question that, that I'm going to want both of you to answer now. Favorite part about Festival International is what? What led me to work at Festival International is definitely the music. I'm a music junkie. As we were just discussing, I'm from Nashville, and music was really important in our home. And moving to Lafayette, I remember I was in college, and we went down to Festival International with all my new friends, and there was African drummers going off on stage, and my jaw just dropped. And I couldn't believe that I was watching African bands, little old me, Tennessee girl, and that it was free, and there were people everywhere, and stilt walkers, and I was just amazed and in awe. So music is really, really what I look forward to and what I connect with the most. I run around and try to catch everyone that I'm excited about, bring my camera with me. So I work really hard year-round, but when I get to festival, I am getting out there, and I'm going to watch those bands that I have been looking forward to and jamming out leading up to the big event. I must agree with Carly and the fact that I love music. I am a music junkie. But I have to tell you, the first time that I went to Festival International and experienced it, the culture and traditions from different people from all around the world expressed through their music that I had never heard before, uh, it just blew me away. And that's the reason why I'm excited to go each year, because we're sharing our culture and traditions and food, but they're sharing theirs. And it's like a win-win situation for all of us. And that's why I'm excited to go to Festival International to learn about how people you know, make their music and their cultures and traditions is very exciting. And I love to share ours as well. We wear our heritage very proudly and very well. And it's a pleasure and an honor to share it. So that's why I love going to festival. Fantastic. Carly, I've got one more question for you before I let you both run. You know, for you, you talked about the music lineup and the music schedule. What are some of the bigger acts that, that people need to maybe do their research on or listen to some of their music before they head out to festival? For me personally, there's a couple bands that were supposed to be featured at festival back in 2020. So I've been really anticipating them finally being here in person. So two of those acts, they are headliners, um, one of which is Sin Kane from Sudan and then Seema Funk from Cuba, um, which is just as funky as it sounds like it'd be. So be sure to check out those two guys. But there's so much great music to catch. Um, one of the other ones I've been really pumped about is Daka Braka. And they're coming to us from the Ukraine, and we're just so happy that they're still able to come and share their music and share their culture during these crazy times. So definitely be sure to go out and show some love and support to Daka Braka. They are actually one of the top bands in the world music industry. So definitely check those guys out. Carly Viatar, the marketing director of Festival International, and Angelique Guillory, a spokesperson from LUS Fiber, have been our guests. I appreciate y'all again taking the time, and I can't wait to see you both at Festival International next weekend. Once again, we appreciate Carly Viatar and Angelique Guillory for taking the time to give us their insight on Festival International and LUS Fiber and the way that they partner and the way that they're going to help the community through connectivity as a reminder you can experience festival international like never before 
by winning the Games Festival International Prize Pack. Sign up for the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you will get the chance to score a pair of ball tall passes. You will score exclusive access to front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, a shirt, pins, and a festival poster. Experience festival like never before by winning the Festival International Prize Pack from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We'll take a time out, and when we come back, we'll wrap up today's show and get you on your way to the weekend here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to laugh until it hurts. The pain's going to be for a great cause. KJ Comic Relief returns this Saturday, April 23rd to Angel Hall, campus of Lafayette, or Louisiana Lafayette. The comedy event, with its proceeds benefiting the Cajun Navy Ground Force, will feature comedians and entertainers Sam Jobert, Steve Shaw, and the Raging Cajun John Morgan. KADN news anchor Jeff Horshack and our very own Raymond Parsh III will serve as co-MCs for the event. That's tomorrow night at Angel Hall. Tickets cost $30 and can be purchased at eventbrite.com. B-R-I-T-E, eventbrite.com. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, a couple more minutes before we hit the road. And I really got to hit the road. I got to get to New Orleans because I'm going to cover the Pelicans and Suns. Game three from the Smoothie King Center, 8.30 tip-off. The Suns are currently listed as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Even with Devin Booker's injury. We're hammering that. That's interesting. Give me the Pels plus one-and-a-half. Oh, yeah. Yeah, give me the give me the Pels plus one-and-a-half. Um, tickets are sold out for the game. Funny enough, both games are sold both out. Both games. And then people are already buying tickets for the possible game six. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. The confidence is oozing out of Louisiana. It, it's great what a winning culture can can, can do because earlier this year... It's crazy year, what one playoff run could do. The, earlier this year, they were giving tickets away. I think and, you could you probably could have got nosebleeds for ten bucks. Oh, cheaper than that. I'd seen some tickets where nosebleeds were like three dollars. Like three bucks to get into a Pelicans game. It was like twenty five to sit in the hundred level. Yeah. Yeah, because like, that's true, because one of my buddies, he actually did. Yeah, it's an it, it they were given tickets away at the beginning of the year. Now Cheapest ticket you can find on Vivid Seats right now is $101. And that's for the nosebleeds. That's that's what it was whenever we went to go to opening night in 2019. When we thought Zion was originally going to play, and then they're like, hey, uh, by the way, he's not going to play for another two months. Right. I was like, right. oh, cool. Glad I p- paid for that. Devin Booker, like we mentioned yesterday, listed as out. Zion Williamson still listed as out for the Pelicans. Good news is, though, he is the only player on the injury report for the Pels. So, not the worst thing. Again, some betting numbers for you 
Suns are a one and a half point favorite. There is an over under of two sixteen. I'll take the over. What was the last one? One twenty five to one fourteen. So that's two thirty nine. Yes, the the one before I, I could, that I could see. was two nineteen. 209? 209. But, I mean, even so, that's pretty close. I don't know. Give me the over. I would I would take the over on that. Anyways, regardless, that is going to do it for this Friday edition of Crunch Time with me, Gazin Mesh. want to send a thank you to Carly Viatar, the marketing director of Festival International, Festival International next weekend coming very very quickly I gotta go to New Orleans video recap and post game article will be posted to social media as well as our website 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com so be on the lookout for that tonight slash tomorrow morning depending on what time the game ends for the producer extraordinaire James Mesh it's your main man Matt Miguez saying be safe be well hug your mom and them your boys gotta go see ya